0: You're probably familiar with the line, there is no rest for the. Well, in Judaism, we say for the good guys. But there are two versions in the Gemara of who exactly the good guys are, which effectively speaks to two major areas of how we serve Hashem, and a question about how each of those translates into the experience of the soul in the next world. Because it shouldn't be exactly the same. And yet, these two versions seem to indicate that there's something similar about both approaches. So, There's a statement of our sages at the end of the Gemara Bruchus and it's also repeated at the end of Moit Katan. So it's the two versions. One is Alev, Talmidei Chachamim, Ein Menucha. Scholars of Torah have no rest, neither in this world nor in the next. And the second is based Tzadikim, Ein Menucha. Righteous people have no rest, and In fact, that particular version is actually quoted in a whole host of different places all over. So what's the difference between Tamid Chachamim and Tzadikim? Perhaps the distinction between these two versions, Drik and Untasheed represents two different messages, really, two different types of content. If we go with a version that says it's the Torah scholars who have no rest, then was Then obviously, what the Gemara is referring to is some greatness that is found specifically when you learn Torah. So that's why it's the Torah scholars who don't rest. right? as we'll explain whereas if you go with the other opinion that says that it's Tzadikim who never rest, well then, then it would appear that the Gebor is not highlighting the uniqueness of studying Torah. Because the term Tzadik might also refer to a person who's not necessarily a Torah scholar, but is very dedicated to mitzvah observance. Without being a Torah scholar, so, two possibilities. Are we lauding the greatness of Torah learning or the greatness of performance of mitzvahs? And seeing as there are clearly two opinions over here, let's understand why there would be two opinions. And in order to do that, let's understand, what does it mean that they don't rest? Why don't they rest? Isn't that what's supposed to happen after 120 years? You get to rest? The reason, the don't rest. Is Darizal explains because in the next world, after a person passes away, tamid the tamid who learned Torah in this world continue to learn Torah in the next world, and in doing so, Oilin mad-jegel, mad-jegel, they constantly are upgraded and elevated from one level to the next, from one type of Torah study and one environment of Torah study to another. And then he says. Just as Dei is infinite, Kakhti Rasei ain't la So Hashem's Torah, because Torah and Hashem are one, is also infinite. So there's always room for growth, always room for upgrade, and therefore those people who engage in Torah in this world, in the next world, keep going higher and higher. They don't rest. So we can understand like, They would explain the version that says that it's the Torah scholars who have no rest in the next world. For Dafka because it's Dafka Torah, to put it into language that fits the halachic terminology of, of Torah The object of this mitzvah, which is Torah study is, is an infinite object. Therefore, there is no end to the progression and the elevation of Gavra, of the operator, the performer of the mitzvah who fulfills the mitzvah of learning Torah who are the Torah scholars who dedicate their lives to learning Torah. So it makes sense. They're dealing with an infinite commodity, so they keep growing infinitely, even in the next world. And Tamidachamim e makes sense that they should be the ones who have no rest. Aber mitzvahs, by comparison, however, mitzvah, mitzvahs are quite finite. Agam, von yes, of course, mitzvahs are Hashem's instructions. Vas erizen soif and Hashem is infinite. That's true. But the mitzvahs themselves, von Deswegen is in in the mitzvah itself, in Zeyr-Khefza, in the actual product, the object of the mitzvah, faran agbola, severe limitations. <laughs> in fact, the only way the mitzvah could be done is only when it has those limitations. <laughs> Firstly, there has to be a limitation on what is considered a mitzvah or not. You can't add a 614th mitzvah or delete one of the mitzvahs. There have to be boundaries. It says elsewhere in Torah. Don't add. And that's completely Completely different when it comes to Torah learning, where the whole thing is where the whole goal of Torah learning is to constantly add, add in understanding, add in breadth of knowledge, add in networking different ideas. And that's actually brought in the practical halachas of how you learn Torah. So, mitzvahs have to have those boundaries. These are the mitzvahs, they're no more, they're no less. And more specifically, Say Ba'yede mitzvah be'frat, each individual mitzvah, has its boundaries. tefillin has to, for example, be Dafka Fir You can only have four Torah portions inside a tefillin If you have five, it's no longer kosher. It's actually counterproductive, it's actually an the is by mitzvah. So if mitzvahs are finite commodities, then it makes sense that the practitioners of the mitzvahs, din Tovin, should have They should have a time when they can rest, because the mitzvah is done, it's complete. You can't do more of it. You've put on to filin today, you can't put on fillin again. So it doesn't really seem to make sense to us that the tzaddikin, the people whose their primary connection to Hashem is through mitzvahs, should not rest because that sounds like something which belongs to Gvul, an infinite experience which is unique to Torah whereas the finite experience which is also available through mitzvahs should be just that, finite and there should be a time we can say, I'm done, I'm good I can now rest and appreciate the rewards of my efforts So, now that we understand that we're talking about two concepts, the finite or infinite experience, let's see if it's as simple as we say. Now that we've identified that the commodity of Torah is infinite and the commodity of each individual mitzvah and mitzvahs as a whole is finite, now let's talk about the person, the practitioner. When it comes to fulfilling the mitzvah of learning Torah, there are no limits. Let's look, for example, in the Shon HaRambam, what the Rambam very famously says about Torah learning, that that every single Jewish person is obligated to learn Torah, bein bein no difference if the person is poor or rich. So those limits, those restrictions are out the window. Whether the person's in perfect health or suffering, those restrictions go out the window, etc., also in terms of time there are no time limits we say okay now I no longer have to learn Torah at this particular time so the practice of Torah learning has none of these restrictions now compare that to mitzvahs which are completely different every mitzvah has its particular restrictions it's not at night matzah has no value during the rest of the year is in a bestimmten Zman or der Mokum und das gleich, right? Either it's got a particular place, a particular time, a particular size, or a particular amount of times so you can do it, etc. Okay. So what do we have? Torah is the world of the infinite, and therefore makes sense that the practitioners of Torah have infinite growth and they never rest. Mitzvahs is the world of the finite, and it makes sense therefore that in the world of Mitzvahs you can eventually surely turn around and say we can rest now. In which case, like then we have a big question. Why is there a version in the Gemara, which obviously represents a whole philosophical approach, that those whose primary focus is mitzvahs also reach a point of never resting? Now we said, Sadikim could well incorporate people whose primary focus is only mitzvahs and not Torah learning. So, how is it possible if their area of operations is in a finite reality, mitzvahs, so they, they should produce an infinite result that they never rest and are constantly progressing, which indicates lack of limits or restrictions or infinite ability. So we obviously have to dig deeper and say There has to be something about mitzvahs on the Meila which also has the advantage from of infinity There has to be an infinite component of mitzvahs Which would justify the version that says Even tzaddikim who are the people who practice mitzvahs And not necessarily Torah also have an infinite experience of constant growth even beyond this world now we need to understand what that is we'll try a particular angle the rebel will show that this angle does not actually express how mitzvahs have a, an, an element of being infinite and so we'll have to find another explanation the is and maybe the easiest way to explain it would be as the mitzvah mitzvah We all know the halacha says that if a person has a mitzvah to do that nobody else could do, then they suspend their Torah learning in order to do the mitzvah. So maybe is maybe that would indicate absolutely that mitzvahs have an infinite component to them. Because if the mitzvah was only restricted and finite. How could finite mitzvah override infinite Torah? That wouldn't make sense. So surely that is proof that mitzvahs also have an infinite component which gives them the right, under certain circumstances to override infinite Torah. But it's not really a good argument. It's not a proof at all. To show us the greatness of mitzvahs and the infinite value of mitzvahs. Because the truth is, this principle that you suspend Torah learning to do a mitzvah that you can't do otherwise, is actually a law that relates to Torah study, not to mitzvah observance. In other words, The fact that you suspend doing your Torah learning in order to do a mitzvah, is not because the mitzvah is so powerful it can displace Torah, but rather because if this person doesn't do this mitzvah, their Torah study will be shown to be imperfect. Why does this person have to do the mitzvah right now? To consolidate their Torah learning. In other words, it's because of the greatness of the Torah learning. How so? So, when explaining why it is that you pause your Torah learning to do a mitzvah that nobody else could do, he explains it as follows You're supposed to pause learning and do the mitzvah because that is the entire purpose of people. Meaning, Chachamim told us, The objective of all wisdom, i.e., Torah learning, is or that it translates into action. So therefore, if a person has a mitzvah that nobody else could do, and they don't do the mitzvah, they don't produce the action, that would indicate that this person didn't learn properly, because what's the whole purpose of learning to translate it into action? And this person is not translating it into action, and therefore, it would be better if such a person was never created. So we're back to square one. We don't yet have any indication of where the infinite value of mitzvahs could be found. The fact that the al says this in two points. First, he says the positive side of it. That the reason you should stop learning and do a mitzvah, there's a positive reason for it because that's your entire purpose, to actually translate the theory into practice and do the mitzvahs. The fact that he he then adds the other side of it, and if you don't actually stop learning to do the mitzvah, that would be terrible because it would reveal to us that the intention behind the learning was not appropriate, wasn't action-focused. In other words, if the person doesn't do the mitzvah, clearly the Torah learning is not the way it's supposed to be. As adam is. That indicates that the reason that the whole purpose of being human is to do mitzvahs. It's actually not enough reason as the mitzvah to justify that a mitzvah should displace Torah. For a man, mastakas is Yes, it's true, that the entire purpose of our lives is to do mitzvahs. But because, as we've identified, every mitzvah has its restrictive clauses and therefore is finite. So therefore, that's not going to give it the power to override Torah, which is infinite. So just because I have the responsibility and I'm created to do mitzvahs doesn't empower my mitzvah to be stronger than my Torah learning. Excuse me, the Far is the Al therefore the Alter Rebbe has to add ein, oy, oy, If the person doesn't do the mitzvah, shalom, achalom, elay, then the learning isn't the way that it should be. And that's the only justification to stop learning in order to do a mitzvah. Does say in other words, askiyema mitzvahs. Fulfilling mitzvahs was the adam, which is the entire purpose of our lives, the Adam in and our whole life, including our intellectual capacity, which of course is usually where you'd find the person engaged in Torah. And he quotes what the Khomim say, that the ultimate tachlis, the purpose was tachlis, meant the schlame from Khochmah. Not only the goal of Khokhmah. But the completion of a Chochmah process is translating it into meaningful action. And therefore... It turns out that because the mitzvah is what brings the learning to its completion and perfection, if a person doesn't translate their learning into action and won't do the mitzvah that's going to pass them by, then their Torah learning is no good. Because their Torah learning was not focused on what it is intended for to do. So, back to square one how do we say how do we suggest that people whose engagement with Hashem is primarily through mitzvahs that they have no rest in the next world they have an infinite experience how is that possible if mitzvahs are finite is? So let's explain in mitzvahs that there are two factors that you have to consider when you analyze a mitzvah and we see it we see it in the, the language we use for the bruches over mitzvahs there's a common denominator that runs through all mitzvahs. That Hashem sanctified us, made us holy through his mitzvahs. And then on the Prati, then there's the individual part that is unique to each mitzvah. That they commanded us, mitzvah plain is X, to do this particular mitzvah. In other words, Allah, firstly, every mitzvah has its unique. <coughs> uh, parameters and those parameters will distinguish between tefillin and sitzis and matzah and a lulav that is the element of the mitzvah that makes each one of them finite it's a lulav it's not a matzah in addition, and beyond that base, will be There is the overarching common theme and energy of all mitzvahs, which is that I'm doing what Hashem wants. That gives mitzvus an infinite component. Ah, so now we're starting to move towards an answer. Mitzvahs are not black and white. There is a finite element and an infinite element. in other words, the Fashidna Protim in Donyeda mitzvah all of the specific details that apply to a particular mitzvah. The tefillin have to be cubed, they have to be black, they have to have four parashios, no matter, has to be produced within 18 minutes, etc. All of those details are what distinguish one mitzvah from the next. They are there to construct the framework that has its limited nature of this mitzvah. But the general principle of every mitzvah and alle mitzvahs, which is equally found in every single mitzvah, which is the fact that they are instructions or commands, thus ha which means every single mitzvah, big, small, regular, rare, uh, is Hashem's will in Allah mitzvahs. That is identical in every mitzvah. It doesn't matter if it's a mitzvah that you do once in a yovel or it's a mitzvah you do every single day. It doesn't matter if it's a mitzvah that cost of fortune or a mitzvah that you could do easily, a mitzvah that you really care about or a mitzvah that you think is not so important. What's common right throughout all of them, every mitzvah equally, is what Hashem wants. For under mei b'shshthahs <laughs> and in the mitzvahs is hechaf and zayag bolos and ischalkos. The will that designed and motivated these mitzvahs is way beyond the specifics and the details. K'may Merazal, as the Medrash famously tells us, We shouldn't sit weighing up the value of one mitzvah against another. This is the least least, uh, strict mitzvah. That's the most severe mitzvah. And once I examine a mitzvah from the perspective of its overarching thematic message, that it's the ebishter's will, then every mitzvah is absolutely infinite. Let's take it a step further. This is a beautiful explanation why it is that when a person is busy with one mitzvah, they no longer have to fulfill other mitzvahs. It's a beautiful concept. Why should that be? You can't weigh up mitzvahs. So why does this mitzvah get to displace that mitzvah? It's because every mitzvah is enmeshed with all the other mitzvahs. There's like this network of the spiritual veins of all the mitzvahs that interact with each other. So, if a person right now is doing a mitzvah in a certain way, it is like they're involved with all the other mitzvahs because they're all interconnected. Therefore, doing this mitzvah exempts me from the other mitzvah. Because the reason for that is because the primary essence of a mitzvah is to do what Hashem wants. Right now I'm doing what Hashem wants. There may be something else that Hashem wants as well, but it's okay. I don't have to run to that because right now I'm doing what Hashem wants. So what happens? That even when a person is engaged with this particular mitzvah, even though if you examine the details of this mitzvah, it is so distant and different from the other mitzvah, The fact that I'm doing a mitzvah hyperlinks me to every other mitzvah. And that's the that's the element of mitzvah that is completely supernatural and therefore infinite. So now when we spoke about this originally with regards to Torah, we said that the Torah product is an infinite product and the experience of learning Torah is an infinite experience. You can do it anytime, anywhere, all circumstances. So in the same way as now we're analyzing in mitzvahs that the product of a mitzvah has a finite and infinite component, we can likewise identify a similar trend in the performance of mitzvahs by the person. Yes, of course, every mitzvah has its parameters of time and space and who's obligated to do it and where you do it, etc. What is consistent and therefore infinite is the ongoing responsibility that each of us has to do mitzvahs. Yes, the specific mitzvah I can do at this time is specific to this time. But the principle of doing mitzvahs, that's something that applies to me all the time. Like the Mishnah tells us in the end of Masech Kiddushin, my entire purpose, the whole reason I was created, is to serve the Elisha. in other words, to do his rotsing. That means every moment that I am an existing creation, every single moment of a person's existence, it's for a purpose, serving the of exact fear, like we said from the Alter this is the entire purpose of being a human to the extent that the halacha is that everything we do should be directed towards heaven as the Apostle says in everything that we do we should recognize Hashem so there's a final component of what this mitzvah is when it applies and how I do it and there's an infinite component of I am always in the service of Hashem that will help us to explain the two versions or approaches as to who exactly doesn't rest in the next world. If I'm looking through the lens of mitzvahs as they are distinct from each other with their unique finite parameters, is not Well, then in that case, only Tamil lechachamim have no rest in the next world because only Torah has the infinite component. But when I look through the lens of the overarching theme and purpose of all mitzvahs, which is an infinite purpose to constantly serve Hashem, then is all tzaddikim, including those people whose area of expertise is mitzvahs, all have access to an infinite experience in the time of Mashiach, which is the experience of never resting and constantly growing and developing. Okay, still one point to clarify though. Something else needs to be clarified. There's a concept that says why is it the Torah scholars don't rest in this world or the next. It is based on an interpretation of Darizal which goes like this. Darizal says, this process of the constantly moving in the next world is related to a Pasuk that basically says you continue doing there what you did here Pasuk is that a person goes out to his work now we normally understand that that a person goes to work through the day and comes back at night says the Arizal what does it mean? it means as when a person goes out he goes back to work on what he worked on in this world which is to engage in Torah learning because when a person leaves this world, the first thing that the person goes to do is more of what they were engaged in, in this world. To learn Torah because that's what the person achieved while they were alive. And following that logic is not... Only Torah scholars are the ones who don't rest in the next world because you go to continue what you were doing before, what was he doing learning Torah? So therefore, in the next world, he continues to learn Torah. Because when you get to Gan Eden, which is where the person goes when they leave this world, the only thing you can do in that next world is Torah learning. There's no opportunity to fulfill mitzvahs in Gan Eden. So who gets to keep on learning, developing, growing, and elevating in the next world, the Talmud Chochem. Because Torah is currency in the next world. Mitzvahs are not, not applicable. So, if that's the case, based on what the results telling us, we're back to square one. We don't understand. the How do we say that there are tzaddikim, which may include people who are not brilliant Torah scholars and just committed to mitzvahs, that they have no rest in the next world? Yes, the principle of constantly upgrading and upgrading along the spiritual spectrum in the next world is something that would also apply to somebody who only does mitzvahs. Because as we said mitzvahs also have an infinite component to them but how could we suggest that the fact that tzaddikim have no rest in the next world is it? how would it fit with Arizal who says that you go on to continue what you were doing in this world there are no mitzvahs to do in Ghanedin how do you continue doing what you did in this world you were a brilliant you did this incredible job of, uh, of mitzvahs. How does it translate into the next world? So therefore we have to say, well, what do we mean when we speak about the next world? We know when we say, there are two ways we could explain it. Aleph Gan Eden. We could say it's referring, it's referring to Gan Eden. And we could say, why is it called the next world? Because it follows life in this world. Or base, we could say it's Ailum Mathiya, the world after the time of Mashiach, at the time of the resurrection of the dead. And both are valid references to Olam Haba. and that's why you always have to be so conscious when you read things about Olam Haba to know the context. Okay, with that in mind, as it from Ilam Habba in Demma Mirazal is told into its figure sois. Then we could say the two versions in the Gemara will take the two possibilities of what Olam Habba is referring to. The version that says it's the Torah scholars who don't rest in the next world and they keep growing and elevating Well that would be They must be referring to Gan Eden when they speak about the next world And Gan Eden is only an arena for continued Torah learning not for mitzvah observance So who gets to grow and keep moving there? The Torah scholars whereas the other version that says all tzaddikim have no rest which includes even those who are primarily engaged in, ter- in mitzvah observance then when we're talking about the next world we're talking about after Mashiach comes and after the resurrection and then you could do mitzvahs as well <laughs> is it that simple are there mitzvahs at that time the chayla came in frequently, we could answer, we could ask, Ale firstly, lovoi, that in the future, in the time of Olam Haba, mitzvahs will be obsolete. And the al the Al-Tarebbe says, which Olam Haba are we referring to over there? The time of Tchia mesim So how can you say that Eno Menucha, that they'll again re-engage with mitzvahs in the time of Tchia mesim there are no mitzvahs to engage with them. Plus, there and various places in Hasidus that tell us the fact that we talk about tzaddikim having no rest, and they consistently move from level to level to level. Verit their in Gan Eden. That is specifically referencing the kind of growth and development and upgrades that will happen in Gan Eden. But in the time of Mashiach, specifically, that's it. That's it. That's it. You're going to rest forever. You don't even go through the upheaval of being upgraded from one spiritual level to the next. So how then are we going to use the argument that we just tried to use? as That the version of Gemara that says Tzadikim will be reawakened to further growth and development in the next world. is not discussing Gan but rather the world of resurrection. Is the explanation is guess what? Even the time of Oilamatria, the Asid Lavoi, is also in stages and phases. The time of the resurrection has two eras to it. When we refer to the first of those st- uh, stages, what well, we all say in our musaf on, on Yom Tev, that we'll bring karbonos as they wish sure to and others will do mitzvahs. Certain mitzvahs we can't even do today will be reinstated. And therefore Tzadikim will again have the upgrades and the elevations that mitzvahs bring. And then subsequently there'll be another phase and stage where mitzvahs will become obsolete. We can bring one of the possible proofs for this. We know the Gemara tells us that in the future, Moshe, Moshe and Aaron will be with us, and we'll bring Korbanus together with them, which is obviously Kiima mitzvahs. That's, that's a fulfillment of a whole lot of mitzvahs. Besides the fact that a Korban is the concept of Aliyah, elevating components of the physical world, to a, higher, to a higher state, the, the life of an animal that was animal now becoming very elevated. As we explain extensively in Chasidus, connecting animals to their shirish, etc. So there you have it clearly that even after the time after Chias Amesim, there will still be the practice of mitzvahs and there will still be the elevation of Nishamas. So therefore you can say there are two stages so the tzaddikim will grow in that initial stage of Li Aset and not in the subsequent stage. But still, we need to clarify this further. It says, The concept of saying that tzaddikim have no rest, that implies that there's constant movement, constant movement, never stopping, never breathing, never pausing, moving, elevating, higher and higher. And now when we're describing that if we're going to say Tzadikim have no rest in the next world, we're referring to at a stage within the world of resurrection, well then there was a break. means you never rest. You go straight from working in this world to working in the next world. If the next world we're referring to is the time of the resurrection, well in between they were in ganadan and in ganadan they did rest, certainly from mitzvahs, because you couldn't do mitzvahs in Ghanadin, and that's for sure an intermediate stage between our world and the world of Thiqia. So how do you say, They never rest, they do rest. Fascinating explanation about the concept of time and how it works in the higher realms. Is the in them? So we already mentioned that mitzvah is Shaykh Nor in we already defined that the only way you can fulfill a mitzvah is on earth. And in order to do that, you need, when the neshama is on aguf, you need a neshama inside a body. That is the only environment in which a mitzvah is viable. But when the is in Gan Eden, but when an neshama floats around in Gan Eden on aguf without the human body, it's not a for mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are not applicable. It's non-start. It's not that there are mitzvahs to do, but you're not doing them. There's no concept of mitzvahs und far for that reason in gemeda fun und zu in shaicha zu da wollte von moru auf den tovin sadikim if we're talking about the world of doing good deeds of doing mitzvos was dia wollte gemalt sein no dan wenn in shama zusammen mit dem gof which is a world that is only possible and viable when the neshama lives inside the body it's as man fun der neshama bli ha gof than any time that the neshama is removed from the body ven zisen gan eden Nit That time frame doesn't exist. It's not part of the conversation. And there's a great way to explain it. In Chloro Verta Kira, The idea of fulfilling a mitzvah requires the existence of a body. And when guf if there is no body in the picture, Al the body is not facilitating and housing the neshama then the concept of time doesn't apply at all in that reality. And here's a great example. Sorry, we'll get to the example in a second. And so therefore the fact that the people who engage with, with mitzvahs in this world don't elevate during the time that they're in Alias has nothing to do with that, that, they are, that their growth has been has been temporarily suspended because it's not shaykh, it could never enter the space at all, can't enter the conversation. Now, if that sounds abstract, look at the example. A dogma d'etzu. D'agat Shabba zogt. has a fascinating perspective. As long as the neshama is on high, there's no aging. What does that mean? Das haste? As soon as the connection between body and soul is severed, and the neshama is elevated, and the neshama elevates to Gan Is demult in her nito the ganze von z'man in betzug zu dinay Then, for that period of time, the concept of time is irrelevant from an halachic point of view even though the concept of time may have an impact on the rewards for etc., as we know that just like chatzois down here on earth is a very special unique time, so chatzois midnight is also a special time in the context of Nishamas. so in other words, let's put it this way if somebody dies at the age of 86 and they die 200 years before Mashiach comes when Mashiach comes along and they have Tchiasa Mason. Do they get up as a 286-year-old? No, they get up as an 86-year-old. In other words, as long as the Neshama and the body are detached from each other, there is no passage of time. If there's no passage of time, then there cannot be a pause of time. So Eloi manucha. the Tzaddikim in this world, they're doing mitzvahs, as long as they're in this world. Then there's a pause when nothing moves, nothing happens, nothing is considered. Then they are resurrected and the clock starts again. Eloi they have no they have no rest as well. Another angle on the same concept of how you've got this strange relationship between time on earth, which has no bearing on time in Ganeden, yet, on the other hand, there is an element of the reality of mitzvahs that still exists in Ganeden. So, the whose birthday is when the is dedicated in Zain Tzavo writes an intriguing concept in his Tzavo. It's actually abbreviated over here. Perhaps you could say on a deeper level, In the name of my father. That when a tzadi Gomor is in Ghanadan, which is really the world of Mammalei in limited energy and light, and therefore no performance of mitzvahs, because mitzvahs belong to the world of seviv kolomin. for a great tzaddik, even in Eden, they have access to a glimpse, a taste, of the experience of of Kolalmin. And therefore it is possible, even in Eden to do something that is akin to doing a mitzvah. Fascinating concept. And it's a little similar to how mitzvahs will be in the future. For example, the fact that a Neshama in Gan Eden can fulfill Kibbid of Aim by elevating the parents into Gan Eden. Effectively, what the Rebbe Hashab describes over there is if a person engaged in Kibbid of in this world and really did it properly, then when the Neshama goes to Gan Eden, the value of the Kibbid of Aim that they did, as well as the value of the other mitzvahs that they did, elevates the Neshomas of the parents. So, what's Kibbid of Aim? showing respect and adding value to your parents' life. Here you have an eshamah that is disembodied in Gan Eden and still adding value to the parents' lives so there's a taste of a mitzvah even in Gan Eden. So what we're seeing of here is a really paradoxical reality. On the one hand, Time is of no consequence to the neshama, so the neshama doesn't have a pause in its growth because there is no time measuring the possibility of growth. And yet on the other hand, there's actually the possibility of some degree of growth, as the Rebbe Hashab says, that there's a mitzvah component that could still be active even after a person's in Gan Eden. dos von die Werther von Rambam, and this might be a whole, well, this is a whole deeper perspective of something the Rambam says. What does he say? The original Chachomim told us, the, the world to come is not a physical place. It doesn't have any of the experience of the physical world. But it's a place where Tzadikim, so to speak, sit. doesn't mean physically sitting. It means a place where they're in a settled state of being. And they have crowns on their heads, and they enjoy the radiance of the Shechina. Says the Rambam, this illustrates, that there is no body that exists in ganeden From the Rambam, Ghanedin, as we well know, the, the, the Rambam's perspective is that actually refers to ganeden And when it says they're wearing crowns, which sounds very physical, he, he means that, that that's actually this incredible insight and knowledge where, where the concepts they learned in the world suddenly become so real to them. Das. And that's their crown. Like the says about the crown that his mother made for him on the day of his wedding. Just like that was referring to Matan Torah, which is all about knowledge of Hashem. So, to the so-called crowns that we have, the Tzadikim also refers to knowledge. What does it mean that they? enjoy the radiance of the Shechina. That means, they understand and comprehend Hashem, the truth of God, to an extent that they could never understand and appreciate as long as they were in the lowly, finite human body experience. So what's the Rambam saying? The Rambam is identifying for us that Gan Eden has two very different experiences. On the one hand, that's an experience of a crown. A crown always represents something which is higher than the head, surrounds the head, it's beyond the mind, it's beyond the whole experience of the human being. It's access to something which is fundamentally greater than ourselves. And that's meant, the idea of the Lord, is what we And that would represent having access and appreciation of the light, the energy and radiance of Hashem, which is called sovev, that is completely beyond the entire created reality. And they can appreciate it. And then you have the concept of, he says, they appreciate godliness and they comprehend godliness. That's totally different. That's in the brain. That represents how they're constantly growing in their appreciation and learning of Torah in a very personal, meaningful way. So there are two realities happening in Gan Eden. A reality that causes growth and a reality that's completely beyond the individual. So now that we've identified that in Gan Eden, there is some kind of flavor, taste of the fulfillment of mitzvahs, either the example the Rebbe Hashab gave about some degree of kibbutz Avayim, or what the Rambam telling us, that there's the sova of kol in energy which is usually reserved for mitzvahs, yet it is accessible in Gan Eden. Therefore we can conclude, as a kol-ponim sadikin gemurim, that The ultimate stage of a tzaddik, not just a regular tzaddik, but tzaddikim, gemurim, the ultimate type of tzaddik, menucho, they don't rest. Mitzvah. Even their mitzvah activity continues. Our feel in Gan Eden, even in Gan Eden. They're at such a high level that they experience some kind of a mitzvah taste, residue, glimmer even in ganeda and they really have in Lohem They really never stop in their growth, not only by virtue of the Torah that they've learned, but also for the mitzvahs that they've done all the way to the time of Tchias Mesem, which in Mitzvah should be zoichet to see, take from Yad Mamash.